From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration from movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Great episode for you today. One of my favorite, certainly in recent uh, episodes or just over, you know, this is just a great one. It's just a good one. They're all good, but like this one is great. And we're talking about the power of positive leadership. My good friend, John Gordon, one of the best selling authors and, and leadership thinkers in our time uh, is here. And we're having a chat about his new book. And it's powerful for me, like a personal breakthrough. And, and I'm going to walk you through some of my breakthroughs at the end when I debrief some of the stuff I learned. In fact, there's these five misconceptions of what it means to be positive as a leader specifically that um, I'm going to break down for you and explain to you how I've done it wrong and a little bit about why I've done it wrong. And then also what I am learning from John and other mentors of mine in my life and other places. But, um, Boy, this is an important episode, and if you need to pick me up, this is definitely a good one. But also, if you're a realist and you pride yourself on on being realist and sort of being neutral and you know not being positive, but just sort of staying in that even keel, this is a key, very important episode for you. So I hope you love it. I think that you're going to. I feel confident that you will. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. He is just one of the most genuine, like down to earth, coolest guys ever. And I'm sure you've probably heard of the energy bus. That is, uh, you know, he's got lots of books. That one is like uh, uber famous and continues to stay on the bestseller list week after week after week. But he also wrote The Carpenter. He wrote The Seed. He wrote You Win in the Locker Room First. And um, he works with a number of the NFL, NBA, and, and, you know, Major League Baseball teams, Fortune 500. And uh, just an awesome, awesome guy. And he has a brand new book that is out called The Power of Positive Leadership. And so that's why we brought him back on the show. John, welcome back, brother. Great to be back with you. Thanks for having me back. So tell me about the new book. Like, what's, what's this all about? Like, why now? Power of Positive Leadership. Like, wh- where did the inspiration come from? So I wrote The Energy Bus in 2006. It came out in 2007. And for the past 10 years, I've been speaking on, you know, power, the power of positive leadership. I've actually been giving these talks on The Energy Bus and leading with a more optimism and belief and positivity and loving your passengers and building a, a great positive culture. And this book was really the culmination of all that I've learned over the past 10 years, you know, working with businesses, working with sports teams, working with all these great leaders. Like I've had the opportunity to work with so many 
great leaders like Dabo Sweeney or Doug Conan at Campbell Soup. And I've also, you know, worked with great companies like you have, you know, Southwest Airlines and uh, just recently worked with Dell and, you know, the merger with EMC. So you, you get the opportunity to work with these great leaders. And I started to think about, you know, positive leaders are the ones who change the world. They're the ones who transform teams and organizations. So this book is really all that I've learned in the last 10 years from these leaders. And then I also interviewed a bunch of great ones as well for this book. And so, like, define, like, what exactly is positive leadership? Like, I mean, obviously, those are two very, very common words. But when you bring them together, like, how do you define what makes positive leadership or perhaps maybe even more important, what is not positive leadership? Naysayers talk about problems, but they don't solve them. It's the positive leaders who change the world. It's the positive leaders who transform their teams and their organizations. So, you know, when people hear the words positive, they often roll their eyes, right? They think we're talking about mm-hmm. Pollyanna positive, where life is full of unicorns and rainbows. But, <laughs> you know, when I wrote this book, I really wanted to make it clear that, you know, we're, we're, we are positive not because life is easy. We're positive because life is hard. We're positive because you will face all sorts of adversity, all sorts of adversity, challenges, obstacles, and setbacks. And as a leader, you need to maintain optimistic in order to lead your team forward. You have to have a vision of where you want to go. You have to have a bigger purpose that ultimately drives you. So this is a book that includes a framework of nine characteristics, nine things that positive leaders do. And then each chapter is, is one of those nine things broken down into smaller parts. So, yeah, and I want to I want to touch, maybe we'll get a chance to go through a couple of those, but th- the, you know, you mentioned that w- sometimes people roll their eyes when they hear, like, positive leadership. I mean, right. isn't, isn't this kind of cheesy? Like, what, I mean, what's, uh, uh, but you're saying that it's, it shouldn't be cheesy. You're saying that this is what really works in, in the world and that it's, it's one of the, ne- it's like, a necessary component of what makes makes great leaders. Exactly. This is what makes great leaders great. My favorite feedback from this book so far is that almost everyone who's read it said, you know, I thought it was going to be one thing, but it turned out to be another. Mm -hmm. And what it turned out to be was very real, very grounded, a lot of great examples of leaders and how they've led, how they've changed the world, how they've won national championships. Dabo Sweeney, for instance, worked with Clemson for the past five years. Incredible positive leader. Alan Mullally turned around Ford in 2006. They were losing $14 billion. Had them profitable in a few years. One of the greatest leadership feats in history. Mm. People talk about how he did it. It was unbelievable. I interviewed him for this book. This book would not have been great without Alan's information because he defines his leadership as positive leadership. He's like, you got to love him up, John. You got to love him up, mm-hmm. but you got to have him, you got to hold him accountable to the process. A lot of love and a lot of accountability. He centralized Ford. Ford was very regionalized. He centralized them to become one team, one Ford with one goal and one plan. He said everyone had to know the plan, embrace the plan and relentlessly work towards the plan. And that's another key. It's about being demanding, but not being demeaning. Mm. Positive leaders pursue excellence. They want to achieve greatness because they believe in a brighter and better future. They're like, okay, hey, let's create it. And that often includes innovation. It includes a focus on excellence, a passion and desire to be your best because you can't create a, a great future if you're not 
working hard for it, but you also have to be optimistic and positive as you work hard. So that's what I love about this. People are saying, you know, the research in it, the examples, and really dealing with the negativity that exists in a very practical way. This makes this a book that's not pie in the sky, not theory, not Pollyanna. This is real stuff. So what about what about realism? So I think, you know, you make you you have these great case studies in the book of of, you know, not like leaders that you never heard of. I mean, Ford and national championship teams and stuff where they're saying, look, this is a key to how we lead and why we win. Where does realism come into the picture? Because I think, you know, a, a lot of times leaders, they're sort of like these great administrators, they're executive types that sometimes really have a strong, maybe accounting background or more of a logical background. And they would say, well, well, what about re- realism, John? Like, uh, how do you reconcile those two dynamics? Well, you don't have to be an extrovert to be a positive leader. You can be an introvert first off, and I think it's important that we address that because people think positive leadership means you're bouncing off the walls, you're high energy. No, it's really from your essence of how you lead, the love you have, the passion you have from inside you. So it's not anything that you necessarily do you know, on the outside in, a, in an energetic or frenetic way. But there's, there's something about positive leadership that says, I believe in a brighter and better future. So yes, these are challenges. We do address them in a realistic way. We confront the reality that exists. But because we're optimistic, because we're positive, we're finding ways and we're finding solutions to help be successful in the future. You talked about what positive leadership is not earlier. It's not pessimistic. Hmm. It's not a complainer. If you're complaining, you're not leading. Complainers focus on problems. Positive leaders focus on solutions. So we are, we have to understand too that it's all about, you know, it's, it's, it's subjective. It's never objective. You talk about realism, you know, people say, I'm just being a realist. You know, I'm just being a realist. Sure. Well, yeah, you, you're being a realist, but guess what? Time and time again, Steve Jobs's team would say it was impossible to create the software, the hardware that he wanted created. They talked about this in his biography. They, call it his, they called it his reality distortion field. And time and time again, he would actually convince them they could do it. They said he distorted their reality from pessimism, or some would say realism, to optimism. And then time and time again, they accomplished the very thing that they thought was impossible because of his optimism. So leaders lead with this faith. They lead with belief. They lead with what's possible. So I think it's it's often dangerous to say, I'm just being a realist. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to confront the reality, but why not say we could find a way to make it happen. You know, when you looked at Ford, for instance, during the Great Recession, they had done everything right. They had done the, the restructuring, they were making great products now, they had a great platform for the Ford vehicles. Allen did everything right, and yet the Great Recession hit, and it looked like it was all for naught. But did they wallow? Did they complain? Alan Lely said, wallowing is not an option. Complaining is not a plan. We have a plan, and we'll continue to work towards it. If we have to adjust, we will, but positive leaders find a way forward. And without him, Ford doesn't turn it around. Without him, Ford doesn't save hundreds of thousands of jobs. Ford doesn't make it back. And they just actually had a, a profitable run of like of, 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 of ten billion just recently. So it's incredible of what they're doing and how and, and how they're accomplishing great things mm-hmm. because of his leadership. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens if a real what happens if a realist was in his his role? You know, yeah. In, in his role, what happened if that was the case? Uh huh. So yep. you mentioned you mentioned um, some of the characteristics. I love this. I mean, there's just so many. Uh, it's dangerous to be a realist. Complaining is not a plan. If you're complaining, you're not leading. I mean, these are these are really really powerful points. And I think I think it's almost like realism is the um, the analytics excuse for complaining. It's like that's that's the that's the justification that they they use a lot, and so I think that's really yep. powerful. So I, I I told my dad I told my dad I want to be a writer and speaker. His response was, "What the heck you want to do that for? That's a load of <laughs> junk. That won't amount to anything." My dad was a New York City police officer, and his mind like, "No, you focus on your restaurant." At the time, I owned I owned a restaurant. That's that's something that's real. That's something you can make money at. Writing and speaking, doing that for a living. For him, he was being a realist. He wasn't even trying to be negative. He was just being a realist of how he saw the world. But I didn't see the world as he saw it. I saw it through an optimistic lens, and I pursued my passion with a vision. I think that's a very real example that we confront all the time. Now, will I ever play in the NBA? I could say, I'm going to go play in the NBA right now. That is not being realistic, and that is not even optimistic. That is a pipe dream. So I think you What's have to- the difference? It's so hard to identify what the difference is. The difference is when my son is growing up and he's a tennis player, and he says, I want to play professional tennis. And I say to him, you know what? If you have a dream, work towards it. Let's see what God has in store. Let's see what the plan is. But should I ever crush his dream and said, that's not realistic? No. So I believe you have a dream, you go for it. As he gets older, you'll start to see if that's now possible, if that's realistic. Now he's a junior, right, in high school. We're starting to see, is it possible? Still too early to tell because he's good, but he's not great. But but they say he has a lot of potential. So he could become great over the next couple of years. So I'm never going to shoot it down. I'm never going to say that's not a possibility. You see what happens and then you trust that God has a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I view it anyway. Yeah, that's how I well, and I was just thinking through that with you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, optimism isn't guaranteeing that the dream is going to come true. Optimism is saying, how can we move in that direction versus saying it's impossible to, it's impossible or, you know, that's not likely. It's like you're moving forward and you're being enthusiastic and you're being, you know, positive. You're being encouraging that, hey, let's focus on what we can do and not what we can't do. Does that kind of, is that kind of what you're saying? Very much so. I just love the way you put that. So being positive doesn't guarantee you'll succeed, but being negative will guarantee you won't. Mm. So we're not saying, hey, you just be positive and anything can happen. No, I, I like what Max Lucado said. He said, you know, you can't be everything or, or anything you want to be because you really can't, but you could can be everything that ultimately God created you to be. Mm-hmm. And so... You trust that there's a plan. You work hard towards it. You believe. You put it out there. And then you see what happens. But you shouldn't ever not go after your goals because you're being a realist. Like, you know what? People from our family don't achieve success like that. People from our part of the neighborhood and our part of the town don't go after dreams like that. People in our family don't go to college. You know, over and over again, you'll hear things like that from people. 
And that's why I say it's dangerous to tell people what they can't do. The world needs more encouragers, believers, inspirers mm. to inspire people, to encourage them to what they can do. And But again, but then someone say, it's dangerous to tell someone to go out to California and pursue their dream of acting. They could fail and come back and be miserable. Only if they allow that failure to define them. Right. And so if it's an experience that you get pursuing something and you don't succeed, then you don't succeed. My brother was an actor right out of college. He pursued acting. He worked in New York City. He bartendered for years while he pursued acting. He never made it and was never a huge success with acting. He never really also committed to being great. That's part of the journey. But he then got into sales, became very successful in sales. Then he actually went to consulting and now he's the chief marketing officer of a company. You know, it's unbelievable how his path has moved forward, but I would have never told him don't pursue acting because the odds of being a successful actor, you know, is minuscule. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like, it's almost like God leads you down a hallway and you're heading towards a door at the end of the hallway and that's what you think you're supposed to do. But right before you get there, God opens another door on the side that you wouldn't have been able to see if you were standing still at, and you never started walking down the hallway. So like the door you were, you were going after didn't end up being the door you walked through, but there was a better door that you just couldn't see until you moved further down the hallway. Exactly. And when, when Dabo Sweeney, for instance, was, was uh, fired as a coach, you know, in Alabama, the whole coaching staff was fired. He went into real estate, you know, for a couple of years and then went back to pursue coaching. Now, if he was a pessimist, he would, he would say, you know what, that coaching thing, I don't want to lose my job again. I'm not going to go after it. He said, no, the best is yet to come. I'm going for it. So now he's a wide receivers coach and a recruiting coordinator at Clemson. Then he gets the job as the head coach because Tommy Bowden was, was let go. And so now he steps into this opportunity. He meets with the board of trustees and the board of trustees says, we want to create a program, a football program that's like Florida, that's like Michigan. We want to be like them. And Dabo's in that meeting and he says, sir, I respectfully disagree, but my vision is so much bigger than that. I want to create a program where they want to be like us. That's my vision. And so here he was now saying this. They probably thought this guy is crazy, <laughs> right? This guy is full of you know pipe dreams. He's got a lot of words, but let's see what happens. Yeah, sure, Dabo. Thanks. We'll we'll see you in a couple of years when you're you know not coaching here anymore. And but he believed, and then he walks into the room with a sign that said. I can't with a T crossed out and another sign that said believe and he starts to instill that program with belief that they can be great belief that they can be the best now they had some couple couple good seasons but they go six and seven in 2010 was almost fired but wasn't AD still believed in him after that 10 or more wins every year with a run up to the national championship and winning the national championship this year People outside the program never thought this was possible. Many inside probably never thought this was possible. But his one, his one belief, this one man's positive leadership changed everything. So let's talk about that for a second because I think sometimes the biggest challenge, it's one thing when people outside don't believe, right? Like people outside that don't really know you, they don't really know what's going on. They go, oh, yeah, that's the pipe dreams or that's stupid. That'll never happen, blah, blah, blah. 
but and and you know that kind of, it kind of affects us hopefully it doesn't like if you're being positive but what about when people internally don't believe like what about when you're either inserted as a new leader or you just wake up one day and you go man we have to change things around here but you're running into resistance internally where people are just they're 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 resistant they they they're yep. they're not into it like what are some of the things you can do as a leader to sort of transform things from the inside i mean i know there's you go through this in the book in detail but just like you know give us a little bit yeah i'm glad you asked that because it is in the book of what people can do so it's in the book but um key key story donna orander takes over the WNBA. She had left the PGA Tour to take over the WNBA to become the commissioner. There was so much negativity in the WNBA. There was a lack of belief that people cared about women's basketball. There was a belief that they didn't care. There was a lack of optimism of what it could be. But Donna saw the passion in the players and the coaches, and she believed that the WNBA could be something special. So she said, you start with the believers. There are those core group of people that believe and you get them on your bus first and foremost and you really energize and inspire them to move forward. Then you have some wins. You actually create a few wins here and there. Then you have to reach the next level of believers and that happens when you show proof of concept. Mm. You show that success. You show what is being accomplished. And that might be in a football season, you know, you have some more wins every year and so people start to see that success. So now you get the next level of believers on your bus and now they're believing. And then the next level are the people that don't believe that no matter what you show will not be successful. You have to let those people off the bus. So you're letting the people who have no belief, who will never believe in you and what you're doing, you have the next level that you know, have to see proof of concept and you have your early adopters, you have your core believers. So she said you create a system of collective belief going through one group at a time and that's how she did it. And I wow. share that in the book. It's some great advice. Wow. That is that is powerful. What a cool that uh, what a what a practical way, like a systematic way to go about creating transformation from the inside. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of times they talk about painting the building, just by painting the building, by painting the shed, by painting the barn, people start to see improvements. So they actually start to get excited about what's happening. And you'll see that with businesses. Hey, we got this win here. Hey, we got this sale. Things are looking up. And so you do want to highlight the successes. You want to showcase the real successes, but it's really important that you address the negativity that exists, the lack of belief. When William Bratton was the police chief under Rudy Giuliani, and I wrote about this in the book as well, they said that crime couldn't be reduced in New York. Well, we know years later that he reduced it. He was asked how he did it. He said, well, I met with my five bureau chiefs one-on-one, and I asked them one question. Do you believe that crime could be reduced in your area? Mm. Three said no. Wow. Two, Two said yes. He said, unfortunately, I had to fire three people that day. Why play the game if you don't believe you can win? So he hired the optimists, people who believed, and then set out on their plan. Now, you have to have a plan. Alan Mulally says that everyone has to know the plan, embrace the plan, and relentlessly work towards the plan. See, that's the thing. It's relentless optimism, relentless work towards a goal and plan that brings it to fruition. Duke University did research and they 
studied optimists and they found that they worked harder, got paid more, and were more likely to succeed in business, sports, and also politics, which is interesting. And what the research what, what the researchers found was that the optimist, because they believed in a brighter and better future, they then actually worked harder to create it. It, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. The researchers called it deluding, that they deluded themselves mm. to working harder. I'm not... Now, I'm not a fan of that term, but because they worked harder, they then took the actions necessary and then created it. And so much of life is belief leads to action. Wow. John Gordon is who you're listening to, my friends, johngordon.com. You can also follow him on Twitter, which I would highly suggest. He is a, one of the most popular uh, tweeters out there and just spits off these like amazing little pearls of wisdom uh, at John Gordon 11 is his Twitter handle. So follow him and tweet him. Let him. J O N J O N Gordon. Yes. J O N Gordon. No, no, no H. Um, The book is called the power of positive leadership. Um, It's, it's, it's a gem. Uh, all of his stuff is a gem. And uh, man, John, just thanks for being for being a source, man. For being like a source, an initiator, a an instigator, a catalyst of this of this light in the world. Well, thanks. Appreciate it, man. I love that guy. I just think John is so fantastic. And and I don't know. There's something about me personally that I think it, I think I struggle with what he's talking about. I think I'm so logical, so analytical, so rational, generally speaking, that to me, positivity has always seemed cheesy. It's always seemed fluffy. It's always seemed like this kind of, I don't know, just unscientific, unresearched, impractical. And you know, John has always been this influence, I think, that has really helped convict me on it. And, and I think uh, a lot of the leaders that I admire, when I look back, I go, yeah, they are positive. I think of, you know, like at Southwestern right now, Henry is one of our leaders and he does that. He's always, he's always, uh, he's very analytical. He's very realistic, but he's always looking past that. He's also always talking about how the change is possible. And I think that is something that great leaders do. And it's just something that I, um, have struggled with and struggle with. And so I'm, uh, John has been a great influence on in my life. Plus, um, my brother coaches, uh, girls, fast pitch softball and my niece plays, you know, on his team and they're huge John Gordon fans. And, um, so I, I, it's been, it's been great to get to know John, but I think going through that and going back through that interview there, I realized that there are these five misconceptions that people have about positive leadership, or, or let's say it's five misconceptions that I have or had about positive leadership previous to, you know, kind of talking with John in this latest book that he put together. And I think, you know, he did a good job there of creating some distinctions and some delineations, at least for me, that were really powerful. And so I thought, you know, hey, I'll share these with you because I think these are some of the things I've had to rewire my, my, my brain about has just become educated on. Um, so the first one is that we think often that positive leadership means like pie in the sky. It means like hunky dory. It means like almost just this, this disregard for reality. And I, I loved what he was talking about where he said, we confront the reality that exists, but we don't dwell on it. 
right? So, so being optimistic doesn't mean that you're like delusional, even though Duke sort of used that term in the research. It doesn't mean that you, you have a disregard for like the laws of physics and the way that the world sort of works, but it, it means that you don't dwell on it. It means that you move past it. And when, when John said it's dangerous to be a realist, it's dangerous to be a realist. And because here's why people don't need help being more realistic, right? Like nobody needs more help being realistic. Nobody uh, has a problem doubting themselves en- like enough. Like we all have natural doubts. We all have natural limitations. We all, our default is to think, oh, that's not possible or I'm not good enough or that's not gonna work out. So nobody needs help with that. And certainly when we're complaining and we're contributing to that negative you know, self-talk or that negative environment, we're not leading. Like he said, if you're complaining, you're not leading. You cannot be complaining and leading at the same time. And so it's not that you don't acknowledge that there's problems there, but it's, it's that you don't focus on the problem, you focus on the solution. And I think that is so powerful. So it's not unfounded pie in the sky, it's, it's just optimistic. It's looking for a way instead of an excuse. That's the way that Southwestern or uh, the late Spencer Hayes would say it, is that there's two types of people in the world. There's people who are looking for a way and there's people who are looking for an excuse. And I think realism is seductive because realism is an excused, is an excuse dressed up as intellectualism. Realism is an excuse dressed up as intellectualism. So we sort of, we intellectualize our excuse by calling it realistic. And the fact of the matter is we're freaking scared. Like we're, we don't know if it's possible. We're not sure if it's possible. And so we're afraid to say, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. We're going to go after that. Yeah. We're going to tackle that. Yeah. We're going to change that because that's risky and that's hard. And that Put, that's that's vulnerable. That requires us to put ourselves out there. And so rather than doing that, we say, hey, let's be realistic. Let's focus on what is realistic because realistic is safe. And I love what John said when he said, being positive doesn't guarantee that you'll succeed, but being negative guarantees that you won't. And I think, so it's not pie in the sky. It's not at all pie in the sky. It just means you're, you're looking for the way. You're looking for the solution. The second misconception that I realized that I had about positive leadership, and he came right out and he said this, was that you don't have to be an extrovert to be an optimist. Like extroversion and optimism are not really connected at all. They're not the same thing. I think that we actually confuse those things a lot. I think that we mix them up. I think we we mess them up. That we we say, oh, they're extroverts, so they're positive. They're positive, and oh, you know, he's an introvert, so he's negative. Well, it's not really because you know optimism is is as much what happens inside. You know, optimist or pe- pessimist is what happens inside of your own brain. Um, it's not even something that's necessarily revealed, other than through your self talk and I mean your behaviors. Obviously, it is, but. 
you don't have to be bouncing off the walls. You don't have to be the life of the party. You don't have to be gregarious. You don't have to be, you know, flamboyant and, and you know, like you don't have to be that person to be positive. Now, you, you might be that person and be positive, but you might be quietly optimistic, right? Like you, you might be um, sort of a little more subdued, but we often make that mistake. And I think that it's important to understand that because maybe you're an introvert and so you automatically, and I'm an introvert, but you may not realize sometimes that's hard for people to believe. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy um, kind of writing and the, you know, even the podcast in some ways is because I feel like I can just be myself without having to worry about, um, there's something about just being in a room by myself that I don't, I don't feel like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm being judged or whatever. So I am an introvert and that's, I think I, I have misappropriately often equated introversion with pessimism and they're not at all the same thing. And people who are pessimistic don't change the world. Naysayers don't change the world. Tweet that out. Uh, remember I said, uh, let John know that, we're, that you're listening and let me know, right? So uh, John's handle is John Gordon 11, John J-O-N, Gordon, and then the number 11, like 1-1. One, one. So John Gordon 1-1. One, one. And, um, you know, tweet that out and let him know because that's a, those are powerful ideas. Those are big ones. So that brings me to the, the third misconception that people have about positive leadership. And I think this is the one that probably the, the powerful, you know, CEOs, the strong executive types, the commanding leaders, the sort of authoritative, uh, maybe charismatic personalities, this is probably the one that makes them resist the idea of positive leadership is that they think that positive leadership means weak or soft. They, they equate positive with being weak. It's sort of the same mistake that we were making with introversion and, and pessimism is now saying like, oh, because it's positive, that means it's, it's weak or it's soft. And I don't get the sense that there's anything about what John is saying there. And again, when I think about, you know, like some of my personal mentors, like Henry uh, at Southwestern, who is really the person that I'm most influenced by on a daily basis in terms of learning leadership from because he's who I'm interacting with and he's leading me. There's nothing weak or soft about it, not at all. But I think that what John said is it's, it is demanding. Positive leadership is demanding. It's, it requires a lot. It pulls a lot. It pushes a lot. It, it calls you into being more than you are. It's demanding, but not demeaning. It's demanding, but not demeaning. And I think that, again, is a key distinction. And I loved what he was saying in that case study from Ford that, that look, when, when the uh, CEO of Ford is, and sorry, I didn't catch his name, or I don't, I don't, re I don't rem remember what his name was. But um, you know, when John was saying that, you know, he came out and he said, "Look, wallowing is not an option. Complaining is not a plan. Right? That's not soft. That's intense. That's direct. Right? That's like slapping your people in the face." So you're you're loving them, but you're loving them. You're 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 providing accountability with love 
one of the, the things that I like to say has always helped me think about it is, is you can always provide any level of accountability as long as you're willing to provide a higher level of love. You can provide any level of accountability as long as you're pro- providing a higher level of love. And, and so that is, there's, but that's not weakness. That's not being soft, not whatsoever. And not allowing wallowing and not allowing complaining, right? That, those are, that's strong. That's powerful. That's big. That's, that's charismatic. That's forceful. But it's also positive, Whereas, you know, demeaning is not, pessimism is not, that's different. The other part that I was thinking about is, you know, realistic goals. So coming back to this concept of realism and particularly for a leader, one thought I had a while ago, I think I wrote this on one of my morning Instagram posts, was that realistic goals are for people with realistic work habits. Extraordinary goals or big goals require big work habits. Again, I think it comes back to this idea that realism is dangerous because when you set realistic goals, right, then you, it's, it's, it requires realistic work habits. But big goals are for people with big work habits. And that's not soft. That's big. That's powerful. That's, that's strong. That's positive. And that is a part of what positive leadership pulls you into being is to work in your butt off, right? Like, don't confuse being positive with, you know, hey, I can just sit around all day and just, you know, think good thoughts and things are going to happen. No, that's not how it works. It's, it's that you dream and you find a way and you see how it's possible and then you freaking work. Like, then you get off the couch and you you go to work, you pick up the phone, you knock on doors, you get out there and you hustle and you fight and you do it because you're convinced that you can find a way. And that comes back to that Duke study. I think it's just, it's not that they were delusional. It's that because they thought it was possible, it empowered them to show up and do the work so that it became true. If you don't think it's possible, you never do the work, and so then it never becomes true. So the the positivity part you're leading with that, and but but you you know don't mistake this message whatsoever that you're not going out and working your freaking butt off. Um, but it also again it sort of reminds me we had Navy Seal Joe on here. It's been a while since we've had him. We should try to get him back on the show. But um, one of my favorite quotes from Navy Seal Joe was that you know it's the mind or the the body can take damn near anything it's the mind that needs conditioning the body can take damn near anything it's the mind that needs conditioning it's our mind that is weak it's our mind that needs to be trained and positivity is a training regimen positivity is something that if it doesn't come natural to you and if you're like me in that way then you have to work at it. And it's, it's something, it's a decision that you make that this is the way that I'm going to live. I'm going to be that person. I'm not going to allow myself to be pessimistic. I'm not going to allow myself to always see the negative, to always see the worst case, or to not be paralyzed by those things. Maybe it's not so bad to see them, but not to be paralyzed by them, not to dwell on them. That is conditioning your mind, which is not weak or soft whatsoever. And in the, in the realm of leadership, it's a tremendous service to teach people how to work their butt off and to help them condition their mind and to be demanding, not demeaning. Number four. Number four is 
I think that often when we think of positivity or you know positive leadership, we often think that it's safe. We think that there's something like, oh yeah, well that's just kind of like safe and cushy. And in some ways, positive in one way, positive leadership sort of is safe because it's it's the better path. So it's better than the alternative. So in that way, it's it's safe because it works. It's it's the better choice. But but being positive isn't safe, right? It's the opposite. Being positive is 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 risky. It requires you to step out there and pursue something that is a stretch, to pursue something that is uncomfortable, that's outside of your comfort zone. I loved there were, you know, those two examples that John talked about here in this interview. What the first one was uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney and that whole interview about, hey, we want to build a program that's like Michigan or that's like, you know, whoever, yada yada. And he says, No offense, but I want to build a program where they're saying that they want to be like, right? There's nothing inspiring about copying somebody else. There's nothing inspiring about you know, doing what's already been done. What's inspiring is let's create something better. Let's create something new. Let's, let's set a new record. Let's break a belief barrier. Let's explode a limiting belief. That is expi- that's inspiring. That's exciting. And, and that's, that's not safe, right? That's risky. That's, that, that requires, uh, you know, cojones, as we would say. It requires you to get out there and go after it. And, and so just because it's positive doesn't mean that it's safe. It's not cushy. It's, it's outside of safety. It's outside of comfort. And I think that's a big distinction. And then the last one, okay, so this is number five. And I can definitely relate this one back and, and see this in my own personal life, is that often when we think of being positive, or when we tell someone be positive, we believe that it means everything is going to work out. Right? Like, like, I think this is where people get burnt out on being positive because they say, well, hey, I, I was positive. I, I was enthusiastic. I, I, you know, I did have good affirmations and, and, it, and, it, and it didn't work out, man. Like I was positive and I worked hard and I went after my dream and you know what? My dream didn't come true. So the hell with being positive because I did that and you know what? It didn't work for me. And that's because we had the wrong understanding that we had a misconception that being positive means that it's going to work out exactly as you planned. And that's not the case. Right? That's not the case. Just because you were positive doesn't mean it's going to work out exactly as you planned. It does mean, I believe, that everything is going to work out, but not as you planned. It's probably going to be a different path. I mean, a lot of times it's a different path. When you work your butt off and you, you're positive and you go in that direction, even when it doesn't work out, it works out. Even when it doesn't work out, it works out. And that is, that is the key to understand. As you pursue, you go down that hallway, and if you find that the door at the end of the hallway is locked, what you will find is one of the other doors down there that you couldn't see earlier is open, and that's the one that you're supposed to walk through. But if you don't hustle, if you don't fight, if you don't climb, if you're not positive, and if you stand still, then you never get to that place. So that is why you have to crush it where you're at. That is why you have to do everything you can with greatness, with power, with positivity, because it leads you to the next thing, even if it's not the thing that you thought it was gonna, it was gonna take place. And so whatever you're doing today, 
Do it with greatness. Do it with excellence. Crush it where you're at. Do it with passion. Do it with power. And do it with positivity. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.